it's really hard when you audition because you want to spend a lot of time on it so that you know the part and you think you have it down, but not too much where you get really brokenhearted if you don't get it. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to go in there with like, I already have it, but also there's a million other girls going for this who are also good. Welcome to Perennials, a podcast about growing up, getting wise, and trying to live a good life. I'm Victoria Russell. Today, I'm sharing a conversation with my younger sister, Felicia Russell. We recorded this last night in the bedroom that we shared for many years in our parents' house, and actually at the end, you can hear the sound of a distant train whistle, which is a sound I really strongly associate with that house and that bedroom we lived or my parents live really close to a train station, and I just remember like lying in bed listening to the sound of the train whistle in the early morning and at night. It's really soothing to me. Um, so, so Felicia and I, in this episode, we talked about her life in musical theater. She started doing theater when I started college, so she was nine and I was 18, and I remember watching my little kid sister getting ready for auditions and rehearsals like a total little professional. So not only was she completely dedicated and always very poised and prepared and responsible about her role, she was also totally enraptured by the whole thing. She was so eager to be there and to learn and to soak up everything. Like she just had this endless energy and passion and thirst for musical theater. And she just loved it so much. And not just the performing, but clearly she loved the people she was with and everything about being in a show. It just blew me away and it still does. So in this episode, Felicia is sharing wisdom from the past decade of auditioning and getting rejected and getting cast and rehearsing and performing in musicals. She has been in 19 shows in the past 10 years and she said she's probably auditioned for like 40 or 50. So whether you also love musical theater, whether being on stage or backstage or in the audience, or if theater has never really been quite your thing, there's still something for everyone in this episode because the lessons that Fee has taken have been pretty universal. Lessons about trusting her instincts, grappling with rejection and critique and collaboration, learning how to hold on to things loosely, how to care deeply but not cling, and lessons about growing up and taking responsibility for yourself and being respectful to others. She also talks about music quite a bit in this episode, so I asked if she would curate a playlist for Spotify. Um, so if you go on the Perennials Facebook, just go to Facebook, search Perennials Podcast. In the post about today's episode, I'm going to share a link to that playlist. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. Okay. Felicia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Victoria. <laughs> so Felicia is my little sister, <laughs> nine years younger, nine inches taller, <laughs> and... Felicia started doing theater when you were five years old. How old were you when you started auditioning for theater? When I started auditioning, five or six. Yeah. yeah. And what was your first show? Like first official musical. What was the what was the first what was your first experience performance performing on a stage for? I think the Middletown Talent Show. And how when old I was were you? five. And I sing my favorite things That's from right. the Santa music. In the red dress, right? Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think so. And then, okay. And then what was your first 
musical or play? So my first musical, I was nine and I was in Madeline's Christmas and I was one of the 12 little girls in two straight lines. Okay. (laughs) And since then, over the past 10 years, Mm -hmm. how many shows have you been in? I've counted and the last one I just did was my 19th. 19 oh 19 mm-hmm. and 19 mm-hmm. that's exciting yeah um I'm trying to hit 20 <laughs> so okay you were five when you did your first performance your first public performance mm-hmm. do you remember you have a very good memory so <laughs> if someone asked me this I would not be able to answer but I feel like you will be able to do you remember actively thinking, I want to perform? I yes. want to be on. <laughs> yeah, yes, <okay>. yes, yes. <laughs> Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, I think a lot of it comes from being the fourth. Mm-hmm. So like, and also because Manda and you did the talent show and stuff. So and Jack. Like, and Jack, yeah. And but Dad. especially seeing my sisters, I was <laughs> yeah. like, I can do that. I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And also like, I wanted attention. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know. You're, you guys were so much older than me and already in school and had stuff going on. Whereas for me, I was, you know, what drama happens in preschool. <laughs> so like. It's hard out there for the fourth. It, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I want to do that. And I think you had it tough too because you were the fourth child and then you didn't get to be the baby. For too long. For too Well, probably long enough to get used to it. And yeah. then. All of a sudden. Uh, I was. Then, I was. Five, about to be six, when Sophia was born. So you started performing mm-hmm. when you found out yeah, mom pretty was much. pregnant and or like when Yeah, Sophia I never thought born. about I have memories. One of my first memories is I used to go with mom to her appointments for Sophia because I was mm. only in half day kindergarten. So I wasn't there a full day. And I remember once um, – this was like right before Sophia was born. This was maybe like January. And I said to the nurse or doctor or whoever, I was like, okay, um, but she can't come on the day of my talent show because I have a performance and mom needs to be there. Like I can remember saying that. She's like, oh, I, I promise she oh won't. She won't be there. You'll get to do your song. I was like, okay, good. Because I, I have a song to sing. So. It's like pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, th- I, I need my mom there. So My story about mom having Sophia is that when – so I was 13. Um, well, we're both July, so. Yeah, I guess I was – 13 when she when I found or maybe just turned 14 Mm -hmm. um and like every morning for like two weeks when I was in the shower mom would come in and throw up oh god and so like when she sat down me and Amanda to tell us yeah (laughs) she was like I have something to tell you and I was like you're pregnant Mm -hmm. and Amanda was like what (laughs) And I was like, she's been coming into the bathroom and throwing up every morning for two weeks. And Amanda was just like, had no idea. I also feel like maybe Amanda was in her own little world yeah. there in high she school. Was. <laughs> and like, she was. what? See, I have no memories of mom being pregnant because like. Yeah. I don't remember her. Like, I saw a picture recently of her with a stomach with Sophia. And I was like, what? Yeah. Because that just like went past me. And of Sophia course, was just here all of a sudden. When. <laughs> But when, but when mom told you, oh god, I had a breakdown. We were, I still remember we were in the parking lot of Burger King. Yep, she buttered me up. She tried to butter you up, and then she got me that crown. (laughs) 
And you just wailed. I wailed. And the funny thing is that when I found out that you were going to be born, I did a day. I, <laughs> I you did a victory lap with joy. I I did. I literally <laughs> ran around the house screaming. I well, you were like what, I was eight? at the dining. I was I was nine when you were born. So or wait, yeah, I was nine when you were born. So I guess I was eight. Mm-hmm. And I uh, jumped out of my seat. <laughs> at the dining room and I ran upstairs screaming and then ran back down to the table. <laughs> he did a full just wrap around yes. of the house. Um, okay. So, so, <laughs> so you were maybe, very different experiences. Oh, yes, exactly. Maybe hoping for a little more attention. Yeah. Um, and, but what I'm curious about, like how you got to musical theater because Amanda and Jack and I didn't do mm-hmm musical theater like although everyone performed right. to varying degrees um it was usually just singing jack played guitar and drums mm-hmm. and stuff like that we did choir but we didn't do musical theater so how do you think you got there when you were uh you said nine right yeah so mom i think got me into it because i can remember like, because I was so much younger than you guys, I spent a lot of time watching VHS in the basement and stuff. And I can remember watching, like, very often The Sound of Music and Grease. And mm. those two. Because we loved to sing and everything. So mom was like, oh, she'll like the songs, you know? And so, but then I think mom saw in me a little actor I feel mm-hmm. like because like Manda and you know you and guys sang but then I would like act out mm-hmm. like I would pretend to be Liesel and stuff and like do the dance and like you know when Rolf kisses her be like <gasps> like so I think mom was like I think she's a little actress so and then yeah when I did the talent show my favorite things she saw she was like she's kind of like acting it out she's not just singing she's mm-hmm. not just standing there and singing the song she's like acting it out as if she were in the show Mm -hmm. so then she had me audition for she saw a local theater do um sound of music and she was like oh perfect this is it Mm -hmm. not like forcing me but you know she was like "Eh, let's see what it is it was like we were there for so many hours i couldn't read (laughs) <laughs> and they had me read a little bit from the script and the kid next to me had to just feed me the lines like the line where he's like Louisa can do it with a jar of spiders in her hand I was mm-hmm. like Louisa and then and, and, and spiders and they're like okay thank you sweetie bye Aww. but like that was my fr- I know I wasn't upset because like I didn't know what it was mm-hmm. I had never done an audition like that where you actually wait you know, because, like, the talent show auditions, I think it was kind of just, like, you picked your time slot, you went insane and left. Mm-hmm. And this was, like, no, you have to get your number. You're going to wait. You're going to sing your song. Go back out. Wait. Go in. Read. Wait. See if they still want to see you. If not, you leave. So, like, it was a very vigorous – I remember just sitting there, like, when am I going to go? Because, mm. <laughs> like, Sound of Music gets people from the woodwork. Like, everyone will go for that. Yeah. So that was my first experience. How so? Wait, you were how I was old? five. You were five when you auditioned for mm-hmm. that for like Gretel, right? Mm-hmm. So you didn't get that. No. And yeah. then the next one was still for the sound of music, but two years later, a different local theater was doing it, and I went. And this time I could read because mm-hmm. I was in first, first or second grade, and I went for it. And this time I actually got a callback. 
I remember that. And yeah. I remember thinking, what the heck is a callback? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cue the Sharpay Evans <laughs> callback. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I remember thinking, like, what is that? And mom explained. She's like, it's like a second audition. I was like, another one? She's like, no. But I, oh, yeah, because I was sad. I was like, again? And she's like, no, but this is a good thing. <laughs> it means they liked you and they want to hear you sing again. So I went in and I remember that one. My main memory is them putting people in groups, like taking kids and putting them in a lineup and taking some out and putting some in because they wanted because Sign of Music especially is such a is such a visual yeah. show and like the look means so much. So I remember being like, what are they doing? And they would just put kid there like, OK, you come out, you go there, you, you two switch. So that was like a majority of the audition. And I didn't get that either. But that was like I kind of knew more what was going on then. But still, like, not really. But that, those are, like, my two earliest memories of Were theater. Were you upset when you, didn't get the se- the, when you didn't get it the second time? Yes and no, because, like, I had never done a show. So I was upset because I loved The Sound of Music, mm-hmm. but not upset as I am now when I don't get it because I have been doing it and I love theater. With this one, I was just upset because, like, I wanted to be yeah. – I wanted to be Gretel. I wanted to wear the costumes mm-hmm. and do the songs. Whereas now it's like I put my heart and soul into my audition. What's interesting <laughs> so. is I feel like – so when I was younger – well, one thing is that I think I actually kind of wanted to do like acting things or theater. But I was just like really shy and afraid to like be very expressive. and. I think that's where my fourth kid thing comes yeah. into because I just needed to somehow – Look at me. And I think uh, that's where my second kid thing comes in. Like, I looked up to Amanda a lot, and she really didn't like musicals and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but then also, I think I would have taken the quote-unquote rejection hard. very hard. Because I remember, um, like, on a whim, I think when, before you were born, I think. So I was probably, like, eight, maybe. Something like that. Seven or eight or maybe. I think we were in Ocean Grove and there were like, we just walked past this place that said they were like doing auditions for kid models that day. And I think mom and dad were just like, "Eh, let's Let's just pop in. And it was Amanda and me and Jack. And I think Jack and Amanda both got like callbacks or whatever. And I didn't. And I just remember like sobbing on a park bench (sighs) outside later on. Um, like, I definitely felt very much like the, like there's something wrong with me that mm-hmm. I didn't get picked. So you didn't feel that at all? Not that I can remember. Yeah. Not that early on. Because, like, again, I didn't really know what it was yet. Yeah. So I didn't know I could feel that way. Yeah. It was just more like, oh, I've never done anything that girl has. Okay. Like, yeah, that's healthier. <laughs> that's but, yeah, because the girl who got it, I think, had done, like, a bunch of shows. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. So... What was the first show that you were cast in? Oh, you said Madeline's so that was Madeline. Christmas. Mm-hmm. And you were nine years old. I was nine. Mm-hmm. And what was that experience like of actually being in a show for the first it time? It was eye-opening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a lot of fun because, again, there were 12 girls. So it was just hanging out with a bunch of kids my own age every night. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like going to a friend's house every night and just playing because, you know – it, the whole show was 12 girls and one adult, Miss Clavel, and mm-hmm. that was pretty much it. So it wasn't like, you know, all the, they, the director and, and choreographer and everyone really devoted their time to us because we were the main 
focus of the show. And we were in like every scene. So it wasn't a lot of waiting around. It was a lot of action and actually doing stuff. And that's where I learned like, oh, I this is what I like performing, like specifically. Because I knew I liked to sing, but I, you know, I felt like, but I'm not, you know, I don't play guitar. I'm not Manda. I don't, you know, I don't like to do like pop songs and stuff. I don't know what my thing is. And then mm-hmm. I did this and I was like, oh, this is it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved everything about it. I loved the rehearsals. Mm-hmm. I loved, you know, um, the costumes and the sets and watching it all come. And I still do. Like, I still just love watching it come together and then actually performing for the first time. It feels like... Oh, we did it. Yeah. Because so much goes into it to yeah. finally just do it and then hear applause like, oh, they <laughs> like me. They really <laughs> like me. <laughs> yeah. You have so much passion for it and you're so knowledgeable about like how shows work. Like mm-hmm. I feel like you know about every aspect of it. And I mean, probably not every aspect. Well, but <laughs> yeah, I guess like so much when it comes goes to like direction and like stage mm. management, like maybe you're not as uh well-versed in like lighting <laughs> but, but i like, do know that but you know a songs, lot goes into yeah, lighting and everything yeah, and sound and things like that mm-hmm. but in, when it comes to actually like directing and like the way that the stage i've seen a lot of it stages happen and things like that mm-hmm. um so so okay you were you've been in 19 shows but how do you have a ballpark figure of how many you've auditioned for oh my gosh a ballpark i would say like 50 wow mm. 40. Let's go with 40. Okay. Um, Mom's probably like, we'll listen to this and be like, Felicia, you know it's blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so I asked you to share some wisdom that you have from from your experiences. From the theater, of, yes. as Neil Patrick Harris says <laughs> Yes, from auditioning and actually being in shows. So could you share your, your first little bit of wisdom that you've gleaned over the past 10 years. <laughs> okay. So the first one I've written down is trust your instinct. All right. So let, let's, let's stay with that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean to you in the context of theater and life? Yeah. So I feel like this goes, the good thing about learning stuff from theater is it kind of works for every aspect of your life. But in the context of theater, the instinct thing I've really learned and it's interesting as I've grown up in theater, how I've changed my viewpoint on it and like what I've realized because as a kid, you're kind of just like, okay, I'm going to do whatever the director says and they hold your hand kind of, or at least most directors, you know, they really help you out. And then now that I've gotten older, it's more like, okay, do the scene and we'll talk about it. And the, one of the first times I did that, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. what do I do? Like, because you get cast, so you know you're good. And then you're like, okay, now what? So, like, and, like, recently I had an audition and I had to read a scene and I was thinking about it and I was like, okay. I was going into it like, I think she's feeling this way and I'm going to do it like this. But what if the director doesn't like that? Like, Mm -hmm. what if they really want it this way? And like, I can do it if they want it that way, but they won't see it because it's just one one audition. And then what if they don't call me back? And then I realized like, okay, I need to take a step back and realize this is how I see the character. And if that's not what they see, okay, I just got to trust my instinct. And my instinct is saying she would feel like this or she would do this. 
So instead of like second guessing myself, like, well, what if they want that? What if they want this? I'm just going to do what I think is right. Cause that's why. And if I, when I would second guess myself at rehearsals, I'm like, well, they cast me for a reason. So they wouldn't cast me. They didn't think I could do it. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's so interesting, like with performing, there's something about that. That's, it's like so explicit in your face. Like you have to be yourself and just, mm-hmm. and know that it's like not in your control, whether yeah. you're right, whether they want you. Cause it's so it. subjective. Yeah. I heard an actor say, I think it was like one of those actor roundtable specials. And I remember hearing an actor say that like when he was young and living like in LA or whatever with a bunch of other actors, they would, one of them, if they got an audition, they would like bring their other friend along. Hmm. And when they were done with the audition, they'd be like, can you just see my friend now? And the people there would be like, what are you doing? Like, why do you want more competition? And they, their thing was like, I can't get your part and you can't get my part. If it's my part, it's my part. If it's your part, it's your part. Yeah. I believe Um, that. So I feel like that just kind of fits with the whole trusting your instinct. Like you, you're who you are. Yeah. And if they don't want you, you can't change you. Even though you're playing a character, like it's interesting. It's yeah. It's it's not you, but it is you. Yeah. Cause you can only change so much. And it's your interpretation of the character. And it's your interpretation. Like your and you can change it a little bit. That's what the director's for. But ultimately, an audition is like, you're doing it yourself, you know? Yeah. And, and it's what some, they see in it. It seems like there's something kind of ineffable about whether you embody that character or not. Mm-hmm. Like, do you just automatically have something there? Also, when you're performing live, you have to trust your instincts. Because if yep. something goes wrong or not according to plan you have to respond to it mm-hmm. and no there and is in no character director. there is no they're not on there you. have you ever had a moment like that where you had to kind of adjust um live i've had so many that i don't know if i can think of one. Yeah. <laughs> it happens all the time there's people who like i've seen their costumes rip in the middle of the stage there's people who like fa- fake facial hair falls off mm-hmm. i mean there's little stuff like that where like you just ignore it and you keep going and then there's stuff like someone skips a line and there's that moment in your head like oh god yeah here we go how are we gonna get back on track mm-hmm. and you do i think that's just because you rehearse it until you literally it's ingrained in your brain so you just like know the character so you can kind of have an idea of mm-hmm. what they would say and you try to go in, into the script and you're like okay if they're supposed to say this uh and you just say it so like has there ever been a time that the director wanted you to play something um, in a way that you were like, oh, that just like does not feel right what I, to me. I think there have been a few times, but like, again, I've, I'm just coming into my adult, uh, roles. So I haven't really had the experience of like saying, I don't think I would do that because right. as a kid, I'm just kind of like, okay, like I'll do it mm-hmm. because I, one, don't really know any better. And also I just really want to please them. Yes. So it's just kind of like, okay, but I'm trying to think when I did ragtime, the director was pretty open with like, how do you think your care? Like the first Mm -hmm. rehearsal, he had me write down, he had me, there was me and one other kid in the show. Um, so he had us write down like our backstories and then he would incorporate like what we said kind of into the show, but I don't, so he really gave us a say and that was kind of what got me into like, Oh, I have a say in my character Mm. and I can know what they would do. It's not just like in the script and I'm not just going to be told. I can't think of there's anything 
luckily I played roles and had directors where I we've been on the same page. Mm. And maybe once or twice they've just been like, mm, like small things, but nothing like huge. It's really interesting because I've talked a lot on the podcast about like being a pleasing child and mm-hmm. like learning to grow up into an adult who can make decisions based on what you know I think is right or what I want and need and things like that and not just trying to be obedient and pleasing Mm -hmm. and that seems like it fits right in yeah (laughs) pretty much yeah um okay let's move to your second little bit of wisdom okay so the next one I have is no doesn't mean no forever all right and that has a lot to do with the rejection that Mm -hmm. comes with theater as a kid doing theater there would be sometimes I wouldn't get a role and I'd just be like I'm awful I you know (laughs) I can't do it like why didn't they like me I thought I was perfect because the other thing is when you're auditioning and I forget who said it I saw someone on Instagram I think some Broadway performer say like it's really hard when you audition because you want to spend a lot of time on it so that you know the part and you think you have it down, but not too much where you get really brokenhearted if you don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like you need to put – I think – was it Christy Altamar who said it? It might have been my girl Christy Altamar. Who, yeah, who was like it's finding that balance between like putting a lot of work into it but not so much that you feel like you already have the part and like – because I would sometimes be like you kind of have to go in there with like I already have it but also – Again, it's a hard balance of like, you want to go in like, I got this, but also like, but there's a million other girls going Mm -hmm. for this who are also good. So, but like when I did Annie at Count Basie, I was the understudy and that callback I got there at maybe seven, six 30. And I stayed there until 1130 at night. Mm. Um, There were like, how old? I was a 10. Yeah. And there were like a hundred girls that night. And then it was just down to me and one other girl. And I was exhausted. And I remember thinking like they had a sing tomorrow and last time and my voice cracked at one point. I was like, that's it. I didn't get it. Like, I don't have the stamina because she I was 10. She was 13, but looked (laughs) younger. So and she had done like one other kind of like leading role. So I was like, okay like I went home that night I was like I really want it but like my voice cracked and you know mom's like Felicia that doesn't mean anything like you know it's fine I got the call the next night um we want you in the show but unfortunately not as Annie Mm -hmm. but you we would love to have you as Kate and Annie's understudy and I'm like I'll do it because I want to be in this show whereas like there's some people who will be like no and I had to learn how to do that eventually but that's another story yeah but um So I did that show and like I had a lot of fun, but I, you know, secretly was like, I want to be Annie. And then a month later, I got Annie at another theater. Oddly enough, the theater where I had my first audition for Sound of Music where I couldn't read. So it comes full circle. And I was like, I did it. (laughs) It's funny because for some reason I had swapped that in my head and I thought that you were Annie at that other production. First? First. No. Okay. So that's I was better. like, that's I. better. It's a better story, right? It's like a yeah. rise, a rise to power. I was like, I did it. I knew I could do it. This part is mine. It's very interesting because I feel like that whole that whole idea of holding on loosely is again applicable to everything mm-hmm. because it's like it's like a very Buddhist kind of <laughs> you know like. Um, I just feel like that's wisdom is like being able to like want something 
love something, feel strongly about something, care about something, and then at the same time be able to let go Mm -hmm. when and if you have to. Mm -hmm. Even if you're sad about it or a little disappointed or however you feel about it. like. But knowing, again, might not be forever. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, like you said. Just because it was no this time doesn't mean it will be a no next time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So that was great. I tend to think very, like, for this is it yeah (laughs) it's now or never and it's like well no not actually so yeah when I got that I was ecstatic because I had just done it you know and I was like oh it's my turn yeah and you worked really hard on that show worked really hard yeah you were like 10 right Mm -hmm. and you would be at these rehearsals like all night and yeah luckily for that one I wasn't there as late I would get out of there by like 9 but it was also summer at that point okay I wasn't in school so or our opening night was like the week after school or something mm-hmm. ended. So it wasn't too vigorous for me. Yeah. And I loved it. Like, yeah. you know, I loved every second of it. Yeah. Even when people stressed out, I was like, this is the theater. <laughs> this is the way it is. That's showbiz, baby. I like, know, you were so professional. I felt like I was a character on Smash. I was like, this is amazing. I love this. <laughs> like the drama, I'd be like, she can't find her ascot. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> like, I loved it. <laughs> um, okay, what's, what's your third What's your third bit? My third one is um, being corrected, and I have in parentheses, directed, doesn't mean you're bad. I couldn't think of a better word for bad. (laughs) Or wrong. Wrong, yeah. yeah. Because, again, this kind of ties into the instinct, but, like, when I did um, You Can't Take It With You, that was my first adult leading lady role. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. And that was about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Exactly a year ago. Yeah. This month, so last year. I was 18. That was your transition. I literally time. turned 18 and then I was like, here we go. Um, and the director who did that was so nice and I loved him and he was very kind and very open to what, you know, we all had to say. And he would work for a long time on one scene, just like getting it down pat to like what we all thought. But there was like one time when I think I did a scene and I did it one way and then we we stopped and took a break. He's like, okay, Felicia, when you do it next time, maybe do it more, um, more angry than sad. And like during that break, I was like, he hates me. <laughs> he hates me. I'm ruining this show. <laughs> and this, that's the way it is. And then I realized like, okay, no, he's the director for a reason. And like, he has his vision. And just because he said that doesn't mean he thinks I'm a bad actor. Cause like, even as a kid, when I would be corrected in, in a show, I'd be like, I can't act. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I guess I'm, that's it. Goodbye, Oscar. Goodbye, Tony. I can't do it. And then it's like, well, no, they just, they want to see different options too. Like, like voiceover actors will do it a million times mm-hmm. and then they'll piece it all together to see what works best. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like doing something like that where just because they say that doesn't mean they think you're a bad actor. Um, you know, it's just really exploring what you can do with the, with the script and stuff. So yeah, it's like there's not just one way of doing things. Mm-hmm. There's many ways mm-hmm. to do things, and you can really change a show depending on how you do. Like when we were doing Life as a Dream, I feel like I'm just naming it. When I was in this show, mm-hmm. but when we did Life as a Dream, that's a very serious show, and could be a complete tragedy. Like the original text and the way we were kind of doing it was kind of like like really funny Mm -hmm. and kind of an 
sometimes it would be like in an ironic way and then like sometimes and sometimes in like a black like dark comedy way so when we were doing it our director was like this is really interesting because I've I've he's he had been studying that play since college he's like I've never laughed out loud mm. at this play and you guys have made me do that and I never thought this was like a funny show but just the way we were doing it was really funny and there was a lot of like dramatic irony that we were playing with like mm -hmm. the audience knows about this but we don't isn't that funny and then ultimately by the time we finished the show we found a nice middle ground of like comedic parts but then also a lot of seriousness mm -hmm. which I think worked really well because there was one point he was like maybe it's a little too funny <laughs> let's draw it back a little but yeah I think it ended in a good place where like it was comedic where it needed to be and then it was serious where it needed to be. But it was just funny how he was like, yeah, I've never found this funny. And uh, so it's interesting how you just reading it out loud and acting it out with different people, you'll get different results. Yeah, I think it also points to like how collaborative the whole thing is that like if actors and act do you like to say actors or actor for yourself? I say actor. Okay. That's what I was taught. If actors... <laughs> were meant to just be quote unquote perfect and do it that one perfect way the first time <laughs> then you wouldn't need a director mm -hmm. and it wouldn't be a collaborative process and you, you wouldn't have multiple rehearsals you'd have one rehearsal <laughs> yeah so it's like it's an iterative ever ever changing and it changes every performance night too just yeah. depending on like what mood you're in and you know how someone else says a line maybe you'll say it a little differently you're like do you have the giggles mm -hmm. maybe you, you giggle a little on stage so yeah I just love that idea of like rolling with it a little bit and being flexible and knowing that yeah it's not like you didn't do anything wrong you're not bad you're mm -hmm. not bad at what you do just because someone is like oh have you thought about trying it this mm -hmm. way whereas like in the past I'd be like oh god no I never thought of it like mm -hmm. that I'm wrong and now it's like no I'm not wrong I just mine is a different version of what they see it makes me think of also like um carol dweck and her book uh mindset she's like a psychologist mm -hmm. who wrote this book about how there are two like basic mindsets there's a fixed mindset and a growth mm -hmm. mindset and the fixed mindset is i was like, just learning about this in my college class oh really <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's like we are born with a set with mm -hmm. set qualities and traits can't and attributes it. that can't change. And you have like a finite amount of intelligence mm -hmm. or talent and ability. Yeah. Um, and growth is like you, anything's possible. You can get as smart. Yeah. You believe that the you sky's can, the limit. You can grow, you can change, you can, you can learn. Mm -hmm. So it kind of points to that too, I think. Yeah. I'd right. say so. What else do you have for us? My next one is responsibility is key. You're definitely very, very good at this one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like you were the most responsible little 10-year-old like, carrying, <laughs> carrying that show on your shoulders as <laughs> the lead you. when you were Annie. Yeah. So yeah, talk a bit about responsibility. That, you know, it's on stage and also off stage. When you're off stage, you know, you have to be respectful of the other people backstage. You have to realize the show's still going on even though I'm not on stage. You have to be responsible for your own props and costumes, you know. And it's because like, people who don't do theater or whatever might not know, but even on Broadway, like not all, you don't always get handed your prop and you don't get your makeup done and you don't get dressed by a dresser all the time. You do it yourself and you have to be responsible for all your stuff. So you need to learn like, okay, I need this prop 
two scenes from now. So when am I going to go get it? When do I have the time to do? You really need to like plan out your show. I'm like, okay, I need to be at the theater in two hours. What do I need to pack? I'm going to bring a snack because I'm going to get hungry. You know, you need to plan out when can I use the, for you can't take it with you. I was like, when can I use the bathroom? (laughs) When do I have five minutes to spare? Me and um, the guy who played Tony, my love interest would do use the bathroom at the exact same time because we had, we were in like our scenes together were like all our scenes. So we had one break, like pretty much at the end of the show, we would just split right after we exited and just be like, see you in a minute. And we would just each go to the woman and men's bathroom. So like, it's really learning how to yeah plan that stuff out and just like be responsible for yourself and be respectful of others in the theater. And I feel like even before you're in a show, like when you, you have to get to an audition mm-hmm. on time, if you're supposed to prepare music ahead of yep. time, you have to show up like with your stuff prepared. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if you get cast in something, you need to make sure you're showing up to rehearsals on mm-hmm. time and prepared, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that you're playing you to make well sure, with others. Yeah, you have to make sure you're in communication with the people running the show. Like, I'm going to be five minutes late tonight. You better email your stage manager so they don't have a they don't flip out and say, where are they? Which I've never really had happen to me. But, um, <laughs> you know, if you don't do that and you just waddle in half an hour late, it's like, you know, we, we don't all have, you know, pe- people are doing this on their own time. People have jobs. People go to school. They're doing this, you know, because they want to. So, like, why in are you wasting theater. our time? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, in my my um experiences. So, yeah. And, um, you have seen people lose their parts because they weren't being responsible. Have I? <laughs> have I? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> <gasps> See, I like block I it from my I memory. Call, I won't, I'll cut out the name. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like it happens. It happens. Yeah. We, you know, we started the rehearsals and our stage manager said, okay, he won't be here for you know, the next two rehearsals or whatever has something going on. Cause you know, if you tell them that it's fine. Cause a lot of people will come into a show right out of another show. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, I have tech week this week. I can't be there for the first week of rehearsals. Like, cause you can't miss te- You can't miss tech week. Mm-hmm. That is theater rule number one. So we were like, okay. And then eventually it was like, okay, he's late today. He's not here today. What's going on. And then like, the production team just kind of had to make a decision like, well, he's not showing up and he's the lead role. So Heidi Klum is like, I'm sorry you're out. (laughs) But it was, it was like, well, that's not fair to the other actors who are coming and are putting in the work. It's not fair for them who are putting it all in for you to just kind of show up whenever you want and not take this seriously. So then we had a guy come in and learned it really quick and did it. How did you feel about, because talk about responsibility when you're the lead of a show, oh. like you have a lot. Um, when you were 10 and you were a lead for the first time playing Annie, mm-hmm. how did you feel about that responsibility? Did it- I loved it. <laughs> I Chris lo- Pine or- <laughs> Chris Pine. Chris Pine. I loved it. I And I think that's the difference between like when you know, when you love what you do, you don't care about the hard days. Like, you know, they say like, you should love your job. That's how I felt with it. Like, I don't care that this is hard because I like it and I like even yeah. the hard parts. 
And that's how you can tell the difference. And now that I'm older, like when I watch the younger kids, I can tell who is going to like stick with it and who just wants to like be in a show like and perform. Like I want to be in Beauty and the Beast. So I'm going to be a back, like, you know, you can tell like what kids are doing it. Cause it's like, you can sing and you can tell what kids are doing it. Cause they love theater and they love the art and the craft. And that was me. I was like, I love everything. Like, cause there would be some kids who were like, when do we go on stage? Like, when is this over? I'm tired. Whereas I was just like, I love this. Every being of my soul loves this. I love this feeling. I love being just sitting here. I love listening. I would just love to watch the older actors work. Like I loved watching them. I was like, Oh my God, they're so cool. So the next time you were a lead was when you were 18, right? Like a lead lead. Um, yeah, pretty much after that I did was like featured mm-hmm. leads. Cause I was, you know, one of the daughters in Fiddler on the Roof mm-hmm. and I and was ragtime, in Ragtime you were the little girl and, ragtime. um, I was in, I was Kathy Cratchit and Scrooge. But then, yeah, my next In terms lead. of being on the stage, like, every single scene. And you are, like, the plot of the show. Yeah, exactly. So that was, did, you can't take it with you. Did that feel different? I was terrified. Yeah. Because <laughs> I realized, like, because you're kind of dumb as a kid. <laughs> Not dumb, but, like, you don't realize kind of what you're doing. And you're just like, okay. And then now I was like, oh, I have a lot to do. Like, as a kid, I was like, this is fun. And then now it was like, oh, literally the whole show is writing on me. And like, you know, because as a kid also, again, you have a lot more people helping you like, you know, okay, Felicia, we're going to do this scene. You're doing great. And then we're going to take a break and then we're going to do the blah, blah, blah. And then 18, it's like, here's the script. Mm-hmm. See you at rehearsal. And I'm like, oh, okay. How yeah. do I do this? This is different. It's like a new level of responsibility because no one is holding your hand mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of being an adult or like becoming an adult is also like unlearning fear that you pick up along the way that you didn't yeah. necessarily have when you mm-hmm. were younger because you just didn't have as many experiences yet. Like, I don't know, you're, you were a little bit more carefree, yeah. perhaps. When you're younger and, and then you kind of learn. I saw this. theater when I, not to cut you off, but I saw theater as just like fun and a hobby back mm-hmm. then. And now it's like, no, people do this for work. You know, even if the actors aren't paid, the production people are getting paid and they have to make money to keep the theater company running. So it's like, oh, okay. I ha- I really have, you know, people's jobs are writing on this production. I have to do this and do it right <laughs> yeah you become just more aware of all the mm-hmm. different factors involved mm-hmm. yeah whereas like as a kid in it i just kind of had blinders on and then i was like oh there's people building the sets there's people doing the lights there's stage managers there's ushers there's directors there's blah, blah, blah. there's people literally doing every aspect i'm actors are insignificant compared to mm. everyone else like you just show up you're like the you know you're like the little bow on top of the present. Mm-hmm. Like you just kind of make it look pretty. And then like, there's so many people underneath doing everything else to make you look good. <laughs> How did you feel about it by the time you ended that show? Your first adult I love, I was so happy. <laughs> I was so proud of myself. Cause I was like, ah, can I do this? And then by the end of it, I was like, I did it. And I was great. Yeah. So 
Yeah, you need to have a little bit of an ego if you're an actor because you need <laughs> yeah. to just you need to you need that confidence to tell yourself like I can do this. I'm good. I'm like, what's that YouTube video like? I love my mom. Yeah, I love Jessica's my house. <laughs> yeah, you need to kind of be that. Yeah. So, yeah, by the end of you can't take it with you. I was like, that was fun. Yeah. Let's do it again. Yeah. Let's keep going. Let's take it on tour. All right, let's hear your fifth and final. Is this my nugget. final one? Mm-hmm. Okay, you take something from each show and you leave a little of yourself in each show. I love that. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> so how did that manifest in you can't take it with you? Or Ooh. even, I don't know, maybe even earlier. I was going like, to say ragtime. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about ragtime. So you were 12 years old. I was 12 years old. And you played little, little girl. girl. She doesn't have a name, right? She, yes. She does not have She's a name. A Thank refugee, you. E.L. Doctorow. Yes. Right? Yeah. For people who don't know the show, even when I was doing the show, I never knew how to explain ragtime because it's pretty complicated, but it's basically three different families who all intersect at some point and their stories become intertwined in the beginning of the 1900s in New York. Um, so my character, little girl, um, is with her father, Tata. You don't know his name either. He's just called Tata, which is like Papa, um, in Yiddish. And, they come from Latvia and they come to Ellis Island and they come to have the American dream. So that was a, the first show that I did that was very adult, very dark. And I, mom knew I could handle it because she knew I was a responsible kid. And like, I just read the book for the first time last year because I remember doing it and I was like, can I read it? And someone in the cast was like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I know you're in the show, but don't even yeah. the book is like, a, like darker. And yeah, it was the first, because I've always loved history too. And I think Mm -hmm. I've loved it because of theater. It's like, I get to dress up in this dress from the 1950s. Isn't that cool? And ragtime, it was like, it made me want to go home and read a textbook like about the time because I wanted to get my character right. And I was just so interested in it too. Because ragtime has a lot of real life historical figures like Evelyn Nesbitt and Harry Houdini makes an appearance and um, Booker T. Washington is in it at one point. So I was like, oh, this is cool. These people were real and like what was going on. So I really liked that. So I really learned a lot from that show and I liked, and again, it was very dark and I was like, oh, I didn't know theater. Like I knew, but I had never really experienced such dark theater, but it was still so like beautiful and yeah. That was the hardest one for me to watch you in. I still yeah. remember being in the audience. I think I was like crying, like watching mm-hmm. that one. Scene oh, pretty much everyone. You're getting was. like pulled away from your father mm-hmm. and you're just like screaming. And just and put on the orphan train. Oh my god. To gosh. be taken to a different I was family. Like, I can't watch this. Like I can't watch my sister like be taken. Also, you put everything into it. Yeah. So I knew that you were like feeling it. Mm-hmm. And mom oh. said, she's like, I know I'm your mom, but like, I was like, her mom's gone. And yeah. she's like, oh wait, I'm her mom. Yeah. Like, I'm right here and I'm still feeling like, oh, her mom's dead. Oh no. Okay. Well, but you feel it. Like. So what did you feel and like? I loved that. Oh, I love that show. That was such a great And the guy experience. who played your dad was so sweet and he gave you yeah. a necklace, right? Mm-hmm. I still have skate. it. It's right there. Um, I wear it like all the time. And that one we... Well, that was crazy because we did it in November of 2012. And what happened right before that? Dun, dun, dun. Hurricane Sandy. So we lost a good chunk of tech week time, which is like insane. But because that show is so daunting and no theater like ever does it because it's just so hard. We started in August, like late August. So we were prepared because we had done so much rehearsal and we were like, we're going to do it. So 
So what did you feel like you took from it? And what did you feel like you left? Taking from it, definitely like just a bunch of hardships that I didn't really know existed. Like in school, you learn about like the civil rights movement and you learn about immigrants, but not really like, or at least like for me, like I don't really remember much from it. Whereas this, it was like, oh, there are African-Americans in 1906 in Harlem who like have a life and this, you know, Cole House is trying to have a family. I'm like, this is like a lot earlier than the 1960s. Like, I didn't know this was a, this was a problem then. Like, and then my character, you know, comes from Latvia because a lot of religious discrimination, like she's Jewish and she comes to America so she can literally they can be free to worship the God they want to worship and not be. And there's a scene in the show where, so my dad is on the street selling, um, you know, portrait, like silhouettes. Uh, he is like an artist. And this one guy comes up to him and, and he says, oh, how much? And he's like, uh, three cents. And he's like, but for you, I'll make it a little cheaper. And he's like, no, no, no. How much for the girl? And he looks at me. And the dad's just like, what? Like, this is New York. You guys have this, these problems. Like, I came here to get away from this. And my character, I'm like, like, my whole life has just been my dad. And he keeps me on a rope so I don't get taken because he's so scared. And, and it's just like, what? And then the cop, the, so he starts fighting that guy who asked how much I was worth. And then the cop he says, you know, what are you doing? Like, get out, get off of him. And he pries them apart. And he's like, you know, she's not for sale. And he screams. And then the cop just looks at my dad and he's like, oh, you people and spits on him. And that for me, like broke my heart. Yeah. I really kind of grew up there. Like it makes me emotional now. Like yeah. that's just so, so heartbreaking. Like, cause especially cause I'm playing the part and you know, I put it myself into, I'm like, he's just a dad and his little girl. Like they just want to live a happy life together. Why, why do they have to be so hateful towards them? Like they're not so different from anyone else. Like I don't understand. And then there's that beautiful scene gliding where he, that makes me, and I still listen to that to, you know, fall asleep sometimes. And it's just beautiful. You know, he makes, she's so upset. She doesn't get taken away from her dad just you know that scene you described he goes after her and they jump on the train mm -hmm. um but he, you know she's like in shock and crying and kind of upset so he sings to her and he makes it her own little flip book so he sings to that and he that makes a flip book of like ice skating ice right? skating right so it's the song's called gliding he's like just pretend you know close your eyes and we'll just pretend we're gliding and it's like see they're just it's just a, a little girl and her dad and we're all like in that scene, I think you can kind of just put yourself and whoever you love in that scene and you can kind of just imagine whoever, because it's very universally. And that's also just cause like Stephen Flaherty and Lynn Aarons are great storytellers. You know, the people who wrote the music who wrote Anastasia, I love. So I would look into the audience and people would be like weeping and yeah, I'm like, that was so <laughs> and there was people in the cast who this girl turned to me and she's like, you, your story, like she turned to the, me and Ken who played my dad and she's like, your story is my favorite. Like, yeah, because ours ends pretty happy. Um, and yeah, she was just like, you know, I, you know, I'm close to my dad and I just see that. So I learned a lot more about 
history and, you know, it gave me an appreciation for the immigrants back then. And like, I would look up pictures of immigrants from Ellis Island and I was like, oh, that could be her or that little girl could be her. And like, they look so scared. Like, I wonder what happened to them. And, you know, they come from nothing and then he eventually becomes very successful and they become wealthy. But, um, you know, it gave me an appreciation for that. And it made me think like, oh, I really would love to dive into the history of every show that I do. Yeah. And there's a wonderful um, line he has that's actually in the book. They took it straight from the book. And he says something like, you know, the main lead woman doesn't recognize him and she calls him Baron. And he's like, oh, I'm not a Baron. I'm a Jew. I'm an immigrant. I point a camera at my daughter so she can dress as beautifully as a princess. And I want to drive from her, from her memory, every tenement stench and filthy immigrant street. And I wanted to forget. And I want to just buy her light and sun and wind from the ocean for the rest of her life. And it's like, she goes through that horrible thing and he realizes like, that's traumatizing my daughter, but I want her to be I want her to have, I came here so she could have this better life. And it's like, didn't we all just come here to have a better life? And, and like now, currently. Still. And it's very, I, I think I've been thinking about it lately yeah. because it's like, I think about those people who come to America now and I'm like, it's yeah. still happening. Who are, who are being ripped away from their parents mm-hmm. and things like that. So I think about those scenes and it's like, that was a hu- over a hundred years ago. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, you know, it's not a true story, but based on yeah. stuff that actually happened and, oh, it's still happening. Do you feel like that those become memories or experiences in your body? Like when you're, when you're acting something like that, that's like so emotional and the character is like being traumatized. Like how did you kind of, how do you like feel it and express all of that without like taking too much on? <laughs> Again, it's kind of hard to say cause I was a kid then. So yeah. I think it would be very different now. Whereas, like, I would have to kind of, like, go off stage and immediately, like, watch a John Mulaney stand-up or something to kind of get out of that. And a lot of actors will do different things. Like, some people will immediately go off stage and start, like, cracking jokes and stuff because they need to get out of that headspace. And some people will just sit there and, like, let it sink in. For me, it was, like, I felt very safe doing that show. Mm. And I felt very loved. So it didn't really hurt me. And I thought the story was just beautiful. And again, my character's story ended happy. So it was like, well, she's going to be okay. Like again, with the script, like I know how yeah, it ends. It's yeah. like, she's going to be fine. So it, it was, didn't hurt too much. Cause I knew it wasn't permanent. And I guess one of the things is that like, I think one of the most important things, like you said, is for people to feel safe. And even your character always had her dad, like Mm -hmm. as scary as it was when there were moments when you thought that they were going to get separated. Like, I think the thing that I always remember is like, no, not her dad. Yeah. Like that (laughs) you guys just seemed like you loved each other. So, and your character never speaks. Not too much. She sings Mm -hmm. that one song, right? She has a few lines in the beginning. She, but she like, a lot of your emoting was like facial yeah your just body movements and Mm -hmm. facial expressions and i really had to get close to him yeah and you could feel that like you could definitely feel that he like the director spent a lot of time making sure we were close enough so that i wouldn't feel weird him just like picking me up and hugging me and kissing me on the face and like you know so we spent a lot of time just like talking to each other backstage and learning and he was a dad himself so you know, and he had three daughters. So it was like, he's like, I know this. <laughs> like, I know yeah. how this works. I was like, well, obviously I have a dad. I have sisters. So we were able to create that bond. And I knew his daughter. She was the choreographer of Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. So I kind of knew. I was like, oh, I know her. And so that's kind of how we bonded. Like, 
I already knew her and I knew how sweet she was. So I was like, oh, she's sweet. Her dad's got to be sweet yeah. too. So, and yeah, again, I felt safe. Like I felt like there's an adult who cares about me here mm-hmm. who will make sure I'm fine. So, and then he gave you that ice skate necklace. Yeah. And he wrote me a letter that yeah. was just like, he, again, he quoted the show where he's like, it's so terrific to work with an artist of your magnitude. <laughs> it's so sweet. Yeah. I'm still friends with him and his wife on Facebook and yeah. like, I like to see what they're up to and. I don't think maybe he would. he'll listen to this. Maybe he will. I hope so. I'll Hi. send it to him. Hi, Ken. Um, yeah. Uh, Ken, your performance was beautiful. I still remember it. And yeah. It, was... it broke my heart. Yeah. I watch the video now. And as an older, I say woman, you know, I'm 19. But like after going through, you know, just getting to be a teenager and going through high school and like having more experiences watching that, I'm like, oh, that is heartbreaking. Because I'm also at the point where it's like, you know, you know, I have young nieces and nephews. So see, I like kind of see them in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, I just want, like, I'm not their parent, but like, I feel like it sometimes when I'm yeah. with them. I'm, I experience that and I watch that. I'm like, oh, it's so heartbreaking, but beautiful. Cause the bond in that show is just so amazing. Yeah. So what did, what do you feel like you I left? Yeah. <laughs> After all that. Um, hmm. What did I leave in that? What you described is, you know, take something and yeah. leave, some, leave something of yourself in it. So whatever that means to you. I think also leaving yourself also just means like carrying that show with you forever. Like you'll always mm-hmm. have that. Like you'll always leave. You'll leave the show and it'll still be in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of – and leaving yourself is also like – because you're acting. But again, to an extent, you're still yourself. Yeah. So when I felt those emotions – I felt it like I felt like I'm trying to think when the director was he's like imagine you know you and your you know he's like it's sad but like just imagine you get separated from whoever go <laughs> like yeah. you really have to tap into that sometimes so I I think I and for ragtime I think I left a lot of emotion which like emotion you leave in every show, but like specifically emotion for ragtime because that was such an emotional show. And I feel like if every experience changes you a little bit, if if a role kind of like you're not the same person mm-hmm. when you leave a role mm-hmm. as you were when you went into it, just because life happens and maybe you've stuff changed something or something's changed, even if it's like very small or slight. So I also kind of feel like you're leaving the version of yourself Older. that you were before. Mm-hmm. I definitely aged, I think, mm-hmm. in that. <laughs> I went into 12-year-old girl and came out a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely how it felt for that one because that was a heavy one. That was my first, like I said, like really heavy because I'm trying to think. Everything I had done before that was pretty like lighthearted, like Wizard of Oz, you know, Madeline, Annie, um, what I had done. I did the kids' version of Into the Woods, so mm-hmm. that's, you know, not really – intense uh it's a wonderful life high school musical (laughs) i had done like pretty happy stuff so then i did this one and i didn't really know anything about it i just knew there was a little girl my age and i was like okay and then i did it and i was like oh and that was the one because i was the only kid aside from him the little boy i really watched the adults and i watched like Mm -hmm. how they did it and how they experienced things and how they did their craft how they worked do you ever feel like a role has helped you work through something personal? I mean, you can't take it with you, I think, because 
that was when I hadn't done a show in four years yeah. from anxiety. And then I thought, okay, let's just do it. We were kind of talking about it earlier, like that, the very ending scene for my character, she just gets to, she's the whole time, like, cause you know, if you've seen the movie, it's Jean Arthur and she's just very like, she's the straight Pleasant. man of the show. Yeah. She's trying her best to like, please everybody. She's very sweet, you know, and innocent and a little naive. And she's just the sweetest person. And then the very end, she just blows up at her family and is like, you know, because she feels like they ruined uh, her chance at being with Tony, her boyfriend. And she's like, you know, I just want everyone to leave me alone. And like, you know, I ask for one thing and I just want to live in a normal family. Why couldn't you do this one thing for me? Like, I don't ask for much. And I just want I just wanted this one thing. This is what mattered to me. And you ruined it. So that was like, I feel like I was kind of talking to anxiety at that point. Like, I wanted I just wanted to do theater so bad and you didn't let me like. So I got that chance to just kind of blow up in its face. Like, why couldn't I just have this one thing? Mm-hmm. And because that whole show, I, w- I would be a little anxious beforehand. And I they was able to just let out a lot of energy and just tension that I had. Because mm-hmm. the whole time, she's very sweet. And it's a very different, like, she just suddenly snaps. And it's mm-hmm. just like, it was very nice to kind of just let that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there any role where you feel like you put a little bit of yourself into it in a way that changes the character character. I would say funny enough, I would say life is a dream. I think Mm -hmm. because that one, it was written, you know, around Shakespearean times. So obviously I don't speak like an Elizabethan woman and I don't, I don't have the experiences an Elizabethan princess would have. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had to like make it up as I went along. Like, okay. And I kind of channeled Jenna Coleman in Victoria because I love that show so much. Like I didn't play her as Victoria, but I would like, I was like, okay, well she holds herself very straight and she's very regal. I remember thinking one time, I'm like, am I doing this good? And then I walked off stage and someone was like, you seem very poised Mm -hmm. and like, you seem like a princess. And I was like, okay, (laughs) okay, I guess I got it. So like that one, I think I had to put a lot of myself in, like, because I didn't really know, because the script is also kind of hard to read. And you're like, what does this even mean? And then you look it up, no fear, Shakespeare. And you're like, okay, she's literally just saying, I have to go get my cat. (laughs) So, um, that one I put a lot of like my facial expressions and like I put a lot of my humor, I think, kind of into it. Like I'd roll my eyes at points and I was like, well, this is how I would react. So let's do that. <laughs> so. And I like that because I feel like that is something that, you know, people in the 16th, was it 16th century, 15th century? It's the 16th. It's 1630. I think, oh, so it's the, the 17th show. century. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a dream role? What isn't my dream role? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to, I mean, ever since I did Fiddler on the Roof, because I was one of the younger daughters, I would love to be Hoddle. She gets to sing Far From the Home I Love. And oddly enough, when we finished Ragtime, Ken was like, we have to play Hoddle and Tevye one day. And I was like, that would be fantastic. So now, Ken, if you're ready, I'm the right age. Hoddle is like around 18. Let's do it. Let's just find a theater company to produce it. Um so yeah, I would love to do Fiddler again. Um, again, I, I would love to just be like Sandy in Greece because mm-hmm. that's just like a classic role. Like, and again, Greece was one of the first things I ever watched. Yeah, so like, and I would like act it out in my head, like you know, summer days. So I'd love to do Sandy. I would love to do someone in Sound of Music. 
I'm getting a little old for Liesl. <laughs> so maybe Liesl before I get too old. And then, of course, Maria. And then, like, I, oh, my God, Anya and Anastasia. If that doesn't happen, what was my career for? Like, <laughs> what was the point of it all? And then also, like, I really love, I'm kind of new to it. You know, it came out like 10, 15 years ago, but Light in the Piazza. I don't know if I could do it. Light in the Piazza. Oh, yeah. I would love to be like Clara. Operatic, right? It's like operatic. Not quite, but like, well, no, it kind of is. I would love to be that character because I love the character. I don't know if I could sing it. Maybe I could squeeze through, but <laughs> Amanda, help me out. Um, but I love the character because she seems on the outside like a just regular ingenue. And then you learn she kind of has mental issue and anxiety problems. And I'm like, oh, I would love that because she just seems like a perfect, happy little princess. And then you find out, no, she's got some issues mm -hmm. and she works through it, though. So that one I would love. And then, like, you know, I'd love to do like Spring Awakening. I would love to do more rock, mm -hmm. just different stuff, because I've done a lot of classic mm -hmm. theater. So went Vendla and Spring Awakening. I, I just want to do Christy Altmar's resume. OK. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to ask you the last question that I always ask a guest, which I don't know if you know dun, it. Dun, dun. Do you know it? It's okay if you don't. Well, You're I know last time you had a different one, didn't you? Oh, yeah. That's true. Um, so the original is what's something that you're learning about or growing into right now? <sighs> and it, it does not have to be related to theater. Right. It could just be anything that you're learning about or growing into. I think I'm just learning what it means to grow up. Yeah. Because. You and me both. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I just started college, so it's a lot different from high school. And, like, you're kind of just, I mean, you're not on your own, but you're kind of just like, oh, I don't have to stay in this classroom and, you know, take attendance with the teacher and they don't have to know where I am every second of the day. Oh, I'm responsible for myself now. Like it's a lot more, you know, it kind of hit me like, Oh, I'm an adult. And I think with theater, like you're very childlike and you keep that childish wonder about you because you're pretty much just playing pretend. So it's like, Oh, I'm getting older. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I think I'm just learning what it means to be a young woman mm. and, but keeping my childish glow. Yeah. I need that face yeah. cream. That sense of wonder mm -hmm. and imagination that's so important for mm -hmm. her and enthusiasm and everything that's so yeah. important for theater. Mm -hmm. the so you kind of have to just be, you're just like a big five-year-old yeah. in like 50-year-old man's body. That guy <laughs> playing uh, John Proctor in The Crucible, he's 10 years old in real life. Well, because like half the time you're picturing things that aren't even there. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> pretty sometimes not even until like the day before yeah. if stuff goes wrong. Yeah. You're just, you're playing pretend. You're pretending the audience isn't there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're pretending they're in their underwear. <laughs> the good thing is with spotlights, you usually can't see past like the second row. Yeah. So the, the other question I've been asking people is what's something that's making you feel alive lately? Ooh. I mean, this is a constant, but like music. Mm-hmm. I just love listening to music and I'll listen. I listen to a bunch of, again, like Broadway, mm -hmm. Yomi, John Mayer, mm -hmm. uh, 
who doesn't love some Ariana Grande? I just mm-hmm. love, and then like the Beatles, Michael Jackson. I love it all. I just love, it keeps me very like, I don't know, I get very emotional. And again, because I think partly because I do musical theater, I get very emotional when I listen to music. Yeah, me too. I put a lot of myself into it. Like I'll cry mm-hmm. to music all the time. I'm like, and mom will be like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. But not really. <laughs> like I just, you know, it keeps me kind of, and like when I'm, panicked i'll just listen to like a nice smooth song mm-hmm. like i love heart of life john mayer oh that one makes me cry it's like i hate to see you cry <laughs> but everything's gonna be okay it's like you're right john everything will be okay i sprained my ankle but it's gonna be fine maybe you could do a guest playlist uh, uh for the perennial spotify for this episode <laughs> if you want to create a playlist nice i'll put in a song from ra- i'll put in a song from like yeah each show or whatever so by the magic of editing when this episode hits there will be a spotify here it is go go on spotify find take a listen perennials podcast i don't know what it is yet yeah but <laughs> i know <laughs> well thank you for doing this thank you for having me you are my younger sister mm-hmm. but you have much wisdom <laughs> thank you and i've always been in awe especially of just your passion for theater and and also you're such a kind and generous actor like I can just tell the way that you connect with the people that you do theater with the way that they respond to you like I can tell that you're just very kind and generous Mm -hmm. that you are very much a team player I feel like you know I like to befriend the people yeah because you could just be a diva like go in do your stuff leave yeah but I don't know what's the fun in that it's so, so like I like to be happy for my friends when they get a part too. It's yes. like oh, that was supposed to be mine. It's like, well, I'm happy it's going to my friend yeah. than someone else. And it's just really nice for me to get to watch. Like you just <laughs> I remember when you were you know, feeling kind of anxious about doing you can't take it with you and just being like Felicia, like this is what you were like born to I really do feel that way. And like, not everyone has that. Like, I don't even know that I feel like I really have that. I'm so glad I learned that yeah. early on. And, you know, I've heard other people say it too. Like, you you know what you love. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that doesn't happen to everyone. That's like such a gift. But even also, if I don't use this as my career or anything, this is my passion. That's what I think is really beautiful. That like, it's just clear, like what you were saying about even when it's hard work, you just love it and you do it because mm-hmm. you love it. Mm-hmm. And you just love it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but what about that? No, I just love it. Yeah. I love everything about it's it. Even when I am scared, I go home that night and I'm like, that was hard, but I loved it. <laughs> I look yeah. back and I'm like, even the hard times were fun. So. Yeah. Well, you're infinitely talented and kind and Thank you. You and too. And strong. And I'm so glad you're my sister. Too. I'm so proud of you. And Thank you. You too. Let's go watch some Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) And eat cake. I already had way too much cake today. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Perennials podcast. I'm Victoria Russell. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a review on iTunes. It really helps other people to find the show. You can follow along on Instagram at perennialspodcast and feel free to send me an email at perennialspodcast at gmail.com. The song you're hearing now is I Orbit a Moon by Paul Finn.